Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. As we go to prayer, there are a number of items that I want to share with you this morning. First off, the some neighbors in Autumn Woods, uh, Scott and Linda Connor, uh, shared, Linda came over to me last night and said that the man who does their lawn maintenance, his son, had surgery this week and is having a very difficult time recovering and he may not be able to come back to work. And so they have asked for our prayers and so of course we'll do that. His name is Geronimo, Geronimo Baptista Jr. And uh, so we're going to, and you know how it is with some of our lawn people, these people who work so hard and they receive from us so little and um, we, we love them so much. So we're going to include them in our prayer concerns this morning. Also, I received a call this week from Marty Starkey, who's up in um, Indiana, up in, the, in Carmel, Indiana. And um, her mother, Vita, has taken a fall. And as we've had Ron on our prayer list for some time, he's been through some very tough surgeries and is facing surgery again. So Marty is right in the middle doing caretaking, both for her mother as well as for Ron. And so it's, it's a very tough situation. I have learned that we have to pray as much for the caregivers, if not more, uh, as for the care, care receivers. Uh, it's very difficult on those people who are in that position to be giving care. And so we'll keep Marty, as well as Vita Taylor, her mother, as well as Ron, her, her husband, in our prayers. Brian and Yulia Vale, um, we heard that they're going to be back in the middle of September, early to mid-September, mid and he is struggling with stage four liver cancer at 50 years old. And um, so we're going to keep praying as well for the Vales and, and Brian in particular. And, uh, and then our dear brother, Peter Thomas, pardon me, Peter Gilbody has returned. He's at Aston Gardens and he contacted me and asked me if I wouldn't bring back a Barca lounger that he gave away. And uh, so, <clears throat> so I, I loaded this thing up. I had to fix it because a dog drew through, uh, chewed through the wire and uh, I had to fix it and heft it in the back of the, my, my, uh, my Sequoia, hauled it over there and um, got one of the guys at Aston Gardens to help me take it up. And the guy comes out with one of those hand carts and said, you know, I don't do this. I said, I don't either. <laughs> but as we were taking it in, here comes Brewster Morris, who's a longtime member of our church. His wife, Jeannie, has been in memory care and is now receiving some hospice help. And they are right next door to Peter on the third floor of that building. <clears throat> Coincidence? Uh, I think not. I've also been in touch with Dan Lamy, who preached for me here a few weeks ago. Dan is doing ministry over at Aston Gardens, and I told Dan about uh, Peter being there. Dan's going to be in contact with Peter to make sure that Peter can sing for that, 
for that service as well. So we're hoping that this will co all combine to be a, a place of the Lord's love uh, surrounding Peter as he, as he struggles to, to find a place where he feels at home. And I, I just want to encourage you, we have our prayer list that, that is uh, posted all the time. It's accessible through our website. Just want to encourage you to access that so that you can keep one another in prayer. Let's, let's bow together. So Father, in a sense, we're all leaving. We don't know when, we don't know the day or the hour, but we're all leaving. And there are times when it's easy to laugh and other times it's, it's not so easy. We, we deal with life as it comes to us and just because of the way we are, we think that we can handle it. And then we find out that we need you to handle it. We need the miracle that you provide. So Father, may we in all circumstances, in all settings, find that place where we can express our gratitude to you. For the, the key to real happiness is, is being grateful. The real center of a joyful life is a life that that outgives what it receives, that is always joyously empty because of the deep gratitude that allows us to continue to pour ourselves out for others. So Lord, may we be characterized by that kind of a, that kind of a life and attitude, that manner toward one another and toward others. May we be given eyes to see that we have never met an ordinary human being, that all flesh have been created in your image and likeness, and that you have a plan for each person, even the most difficult to like, even the most, those people who are on the far side of our opinions, those people that we think are bringing everything down. Lord, you've got a plan for them just as well as you do for us and our loved ones and those whom we love. And so thank you, Lord, that we don't make those calls, that we're not you. And instead, give us hearts and eyes to be able to see the sanctity in others, the sanctity in the other. And thank you, O oh Lord, that from the moment of conception, you have breathed into us the breath of life. And thank you, O Lord, that that life continues until you draw it from us. And in the in-between, may we be fully dedicated to you and laugh more than cry. We also ask, O Father, that you would continue to watch over provide for, and maybe whisper into the ears of some of our governmental leaders. There seems to be so much that is going awry, whether it's with COVID or at the border 
or with the job market or with inflation, whatever it may be, O oh Lord. We ask that you would give wisdom to those who are making the decisions with the understanding that it is the least of our brothers and sisters that are most hurt in difficult circumstances. So, Lord, where, where we must, may we step in and, and make loving, caring provision for those who are most in need. May we be the church at all times, be for one another and be for others. Thank you, O Lord, for the high calling to which we've been called. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son, our Savior Christ, who set us the example. And we ask that you would hear us even now as we pray as your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Out of gratitude, we bring to the Lord our God our tithes and our offerings. And Jesus, or the Apostle Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver. That cheerfulness comes from that gratitude for life. I don't know that Paul said it, but someone said also, he'll also take donations from Grouches. <laughs> but we receive now our tithes and offerings.
Lord God, receive our gifts, take our lives. Move us according to your will toward the transformation that you intend. As we, as we submit ourselves to your word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. It's actually a very interesting, fascinating sort of passage, and I know psychologists would have a heyday with this one. But um, Jesus has, in John, he's already been to Jerusalem once and he cleared the temple. So many believe he did it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry and later on as he was entering his final week. I kind of think he did both times because he, he never got along with the denominational officials. He never got along with the religious authorities. From the very beginning, they were always out to get him. And so now he's come back to Jerusalem and he's going into a portion of the city called the Pool of Bethesda. And there was a little mythology about this pool that every now and then an angel would trouble the water and the first into the water got healed. And so the, the pool was surrounded by, by dozens, if not hundreds of people watching, waiting for the water to be troubled and then scrambling in what ways they could to get into the water. Whether or not it worked, I don't know, but at least it was the source of hope because people want to be well. Ordinarily, Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the fifth chapter of John. Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda. The five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't walk on the, work on the Sabbath day. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. Well, the man didn't know. Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. And the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. May God add his understanding of this hearing of his word. Large pool, large gathering of people all the way around. Jesus walks in. Notice what he doesn't do. 
is come in, stand at the edge of the pool, and say, okay, y'all are, you're all ready now. You're all healed. Everyone heal. Everyone here, go home. Just, if you're blind now, you can see. If you can't walk, you can walk now. If you can't hear now, you can hear. Go home. He doesn't do that. What he does do is he singles out one man. One man he sees there, and Jesus goes up to him and asks him, and I don't believe Jesus ever asks an innocent question. Do you want to get well? The answer sounds like something that has been well rehearsed. The man has been there for 30 stinking eight years. Long time. And he says, well, I can't. I, whenever somebody trouble, I can't get into the water. I don't have anyone to take me into the water. I can't. In other words, it's the system. I can't because all of this stuff outside of me is victimizing me. Nobody will put me into the water. I'm a victim. In other words, I'm not responsible. Somebody else is responsible for my wellness. I'm not, I'm not capable, so somebody else has to do it for me. So when Jesus asks him, and he comes up with that answer, it just sounds pat. He's been there for 38 years, and if he's not just sitting by the pool, he's begging. He's making money by virtue of his affliction. As I read this story, I, I wonder if he's even really lame. I really wonder if that's his real affliction. I wonder what's really going on here. And you know, we, live in a, we live in a time when somehow victim status is being rewarded. That if somebody is, is part of a victimized group, then somehow someone has failed them, the system has failed them, and they are somehow deserving of whatever. If I'm a victim, then somebody owes me something, and so I'm going to just be mad until I get it. Trouble is, if I'm mad long enough, I'll never get unmad, even if I get what I think I want. I'll just stay mad, because mad becomes an easy habit to get into. And, and here's this man, 38 years there, 38 years around there, and he has no friends. He's been there, he's been sick, he's coming back every day for 38 years. Doesn't he talk to anybody? Doesn't he use that time just to at least associate with some other people? I wonder if his real, well, there's a compilation of diseases. Let's say, yes, he's lame, but let's also say he's mad. Let's also say he's lonely. That that he doesn't belong to anyone. 
and no one seemingly belongs to him. When we're around angry people, they're tough to be around. And those who are around us, when we get that way, tend to sort of push themselves to be around us. So I, I wonder, Mother Teresa says, when she was working in Calcutta with lepers, she said, yes, the leprosy is bad, but the greatest disease of all is being unwanted. So when Jesus asked, do you want to be well? The man doesn't answer. He just gives an excuse. He just says what he apparently always says, and that is, the system has failed me. Nobody else to put me in, nobody to pick up the slack for me. I think that's why Jesus singled him out. He was a desperate man. Probably the least of his problems was that he couldn't walk. He was a desperate man. Contrast him to the story in the fifth chapter of Luke. Jesus is talking in, in a house, and people are there inside and outside flowing out, and a bunch of guys show up. And they've got their buddy who's lame, and they're carrying him on this stretcher. They carry him, they can't get in to see Jesus. So these guys do what they have to do. They get creative, they're not victims. They get creative, do what they have to do. They go up on the roof and start taking the roof apart. <laughs> and then they, they let him in down through the hole in the roof. I have a hard time thinking that they're not laughing as they do it. And Jesus says to him the same thing that he says to the man at the pool. Pick up your bed and walk. And he does. They both do it. But the man at the pool, who had no friends, didn't even know who healed him when the, when the authorities asked him. He didn't even introduce himself or find out who this was he was talking to. So they asked him who it was, and oh, I, I, I don't know. He, he got away before I could ask him. And, and so he is blaming now this man that healed him because he was carrying his mat on a Saturday, breaking the Sabbath law, and he said, well, he told me to. <laughs> He's a sad human being. And I believe that's why Jesus singled him out. You know, we all have people in our lives that we just don't think are at all worthy of any grace whatsoever. <laughs> we think they are so far out, so fallen, so awful, such reprobates, that they are outside of the grace of God. We, we look at them in our own personal judgment as some of the worst people we've ever known. And we all know something, someone like that. I sure do. And I have to force my way into thinking. I'm not God. I don't make the decision about that person's worth. I just think he is a person 
and I would apply words that pastors aren't supposed to apply to other people. We all know people like that. And Jesus singles them out. Out of dozens, maybe hundreds of people at the pool, he singles out maybe the worst one. And this man then turns, blames Jesus, he's still a victim. It's not his fault that he was carrying the mat. Somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. We all know people this way. And then the authorities start going after Jesus. <laughs> you heal, well, we don't care if you healed him. What we care about is that he was carrying something on, on a Saturday. That's horrible. There are too many parallels to this story in our own culture today. Too many stories that match this, both of victimization and of blaming, and you can fill in all the gaps that you need to. But I was out the other day uh, with some friends at a restaurant over here on 5th, and my friend was ordering a Cuba, a Cuba Libre. I said, what's a Cuba Libre? And it's apparently um, Bacardi and Coke. Now the first drink I ever had was after we beat Fresno State. And we were ranked 19th in the country. And the coach actually bought me this rum and coke because he knew I didn't drink and I was like maybe the only guy who never touched a drop up to that point. And he, I got this rum and coke and it was horrible. Probably took me half an hour, 30, 45 minutes to drink the stupid thing and I thought, well, what's, what's the big deal? It just, it's awful. And so I, I wanted nothing to do with it. So I haven't had anything like that since, but I, because it was a Cuba Libre, I ordered it. And it was so good. <laughs> but what made it so good is that we have people putting their lives on the line. Many of those people that we saw protesting down in Cuba are now in jail. And I still see cars with Cuban flags flying off them. They're not victims. They're like those who brought, G, brought the paralytic friend to Jesus and, and tore open the roof and let down the, the pallet. They're taking responsibility. They're doing what they can. They're not angry. They're energized. And they want to they make a difference in life. They want people to be free. They wanted their friend to be free. They did what they had to do, even though it upset the crowd that was inside the, the house. Because in this, in this life, let's face it, this life, this world, is either magical or it's not. Either there is far more beyond what we see, far more going on than that which we can identified by mere cause and effect. Far more 
Now, what we're capable of perceiving, then, then we might otherwise think. And if this world, if this life, if all of this really is sort of, to use the term of G.K. Chesterton, writing as a Christian journalist, magical, then we need to see our life circumstances, whatever, whatever it is we're in, where, wherever we are, not as just mere accidents, not just the the blind flow of, of, of molecules, of, uh, of DNA, uh, the blind flow of, of bacteria and viruses, the blind flow of cars running down the street, and, and, and accidents just happen. If this life is beyond, far more beyond that which we can see, if this life is magical, then there's a reason for us being where we are, enduring what it is that we endure. And when we can look beyond those things that would take our attention and garner our attention from, from other things, the beauty of life and the magnificence of life, and just think of ourselves and what we want and what we think we need, if we can look beyond and above all of that, We can be grateful, whatever our life circumstance. We can say thank you. We can know that we didn't just show up because mom and dad got together at one point. We're not an accident. We're here for a purpose and a reason. And so we can be grateful. We can be thankful. Again, G.K. Chesterton. The secret to happiness is gratitude. The Apostle Paul says, in all things give thanks. So if, if we can always find that for which we can be grateful, somehow we can't just stay unhappy. Now, the other night at the restaurant, I want you to know I only had one of those, even though it tasted really good. But afterwards, I mean, here in Naples in August, we're, the parking garage over here is supposed to have like nothing uh, in there, like four cars or something. It was full all the way to the top. And I was glad. I went all the way to the top, and the sun was nearly, well, the sun was down but there was still a glow in the sky and at the top level of the garage i looked out to the west and here were the clouds standing like sentries with the glow behind them and i was so amazed that can be explained by physics but what can't be explained is the magical reality of what I saw. And I thanked God. I wasn't being holy. I wasn't being ministerly. 
thankfulness, gratitude simply emerged. It just came. And a response to God's gifts. And if we're alert to that, we'll find all kinds of things that we can be thankful for. And when we are, we're going to be happy people. Will you join me in prayer? So, Lord, give us those eyes. Give us that heart. We bear whatever afflictions we must. There are not accidents. You've put us in a place to endure or to relax, to care or to be cared for. But it's all wrapped up in the great mystery that is this life. And dear Father, we are so thankful. And thank you for your Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who makes it all this great magical reality so real. In his name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.